um, it's about six weeks-ish till um, our last Sunday, and um, we thought we'd, um, well, you know, I thought it would be good to break from our series in Acts and, and just spend a little bit of time talking to, um, the theme will be, and Daryl Daryl's doing one based on um, what his study's doing on Joshua, we're going to spend some time just having a look at what does it mean to be the people of God in uncertain times, when things are changing a lot, because obviously when we, when we move on, it, 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 it it, there's uncertain times. There's what what will leadership look like for the church in the future. What will what decisions will be made? Uh, it's a time when the church needs to come together and have a lot of discussions. Um, in terms of just letting people know a little bit more, and we've been talking a little more what our family's doing. After we resign, we'll be um, MIA, I guess, for for quite some months. Some um, will be overseas for some time as well, and we've been sharing with people the details. I'm happy to share with you what we're doing. Just come up and talk to me. Um, and then after that time, when we come back, we're, we're really unaware. We're not sure what state Esther's health will be in. We're unsure what type of work um, I'll be doing. We're unsure. We, we, ha- we have a, a rough estimate that we'll probably move back into the house here, um, but we don't know when and how long this sabbatical period and where, how long we need different rhythms as a family and even um, exactly where we'll land for the next period of time as well. So it's a lot open in the air. We're not really exactly sure. Um, there are some things we're wrestling, some, some call things, but it's, it's a time of uncertainty for us. We're not really sure what God's doing. We're, unreal, we're not really sure where it's all landing for us and, and what will be the healthiest thing for us as a family. And we're aware that for the church as well, it plunges the church into a time of uncertainty as well. Like there are things that there's a lot of questions that don't have very clear answers. Um, and so what we hope to do is to speak into those times, to speak to these times where things are uncertain and to wrestle with how we are to be the people of God. Because in times of disruption, in times of disruption, there's disagreements. You might be frustrated that things aren't changing the way that you'd like them to. You might be frustrated that things aren't staying the same. You might... You might um, be uh, excited by change. You might be terrified by change. There's all sorts in a community. There are some people who, when uncertainty is on the horizon, actually get happy. They love it. They're wired in a way to love uncertainty. There's, and you know what? It's not really me. I, I, like, I like a bit of stability. I like knowing where my feet are landing. Um, you know, but there are others, there are others who any sort of change brings this response. Like they go really stiff. They don't really like it. They want things to stay the same. They want things predictable. And this is what times of change bring up in people. Um, but what I want to suggest, and I want to use a term, and I explored this term in a, in a Zoom sermon where there was a small gathering of us, I think, on a particularly um, monsoonal-like weather day. Um, but what I want to suggest is that God wants all of us in these times to maintain, and I'm giving it a term, something called our spiritual composure. Your spiritual composure is so important in an ever-changing landscape around you. And um, I, I partially got this idea from this, this little set of verses in Exodus. Um, and I want to just, um, the context is the Israelites have been rescued from Egypt, but not really rescued into anywhere yet, just kind of taken out of Egypt with a whole bunch of miracles and crazy stuff. And they're, and they're kind of up against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army has surrounded them. They're now stuck against the Red Sea. So, so far, if you're an Israelite, you look up and God has rescued me so that I can be killed by the sea. 
this is fantastic. How good is life? And obviously there's panic and there's, there's stress and there's looking to Moses like, is this what you let us out for? And this is what Moses says to the people. It's a fascinating set of words, isn't it? It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And get this last bit, because this is what we're talking about. This is what he has to say to a people with an army about to attack. You need only to be still. This is his big advice to the people. What, you know, you're like thinking, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Moses, what do we do? You need only to be still. It is such an interesting command. It's not a command to attack. It's not a command to run. It's not a command to panic. It's not a command to be passive because that's not the most automatic response, is it? To, to be still. It's not, it's not a command to be fatalist. I don't think he's calling them to go, well, we're going to be dead anyway, so let's be still. But he, yet his command is so interesting as a, as, a, as a Duke man. You need to be still. And whatever this spiritual composure is, it's partially this ability in your life to be still. To be still in your circumstances before the Lord. The psalmist tells us something. No, sorry, before we even get to that. So to be still, to not be a slave to your insecurity or fear or your selfishness or your impulse to control or your impulse to fix it or your impulse to take it into our own hands or your impulse to blame the leader or your impulse to do whatever it may be. No, because all those options were open to the Israelites at that moment. They could blame Moses, they could blame God, they could panic, they could run, they could draw their swords and charge. And Moses comes with this, what would be a frustrating... I mean, surely some of you would find this command from your leader frustrating. You've got all this craziness around you, and the best the message from God, apparently from your leader, is you just need to be still, guys. The Lord will deliver you, but you need to be still. The psalmist tells us, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And, and I think we can see that when we aren't still, when we're busy bodies and we're running around and we're trying to fix it and we're holding it and we're panicking, we are behaving like we are God. Be still and know that I am God. When you are not still and you're frantic, you are behaving like you are God. You are behaving like it's your frantic energy and your panic and your anxiety that's holding everything together. Do you not, we see that, right? That when it's only when you are still that you know you are not God. When you are Mr. Fix-It, Mr. I can control everything, you are behaving, you're, God, God doesn't need to be in the picture, you're clearly God. You, you clearly have no time to be still because all your energy is holding the whole world together. Be still and know that we're God. This, this spiritual composure has something to do with being still, even if you're surrounded by an army by the sea. Another, another passage that gets me thinking of this idea of spiritual composure is this idea in Psalm 3. So King David is on the run again. Poor David seems to be on the run a fair bit. This time not from Saul, from his son Absalom. So his son Absalom, who he's forgiven and graciously allowed back into the community after Absalom did some dodgy things. Um, Absalom has routed his father from the kingdom. 
and is chasing him to kill him. So it's poor David, this has happened before. So he's with his men, there's a group of people out to kill him. And this is what David prays though. David has been around the ringer. He's committed awful sins, he's beaten giants, he's been made, he's, you know, he's had Saul try to kill him before. He has been on quite an adventure with God. And I just want to read this small psalm. He says, Lord, this is Psalm 3, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. That's a nice little finishing point. So we have David on the run. He's on the run. He's been kicked out of his kingdom. He's square with his, what might have been a small group of men. I don't know how many more men were with him. And he's got this spiritual composure, isn't he? Like, he's not going to give way to fear. He's not going to give way to rash violence. We know he has that in his character. He didn't kill Saul when he had the opportunity. He's very careful. He doesn't just rashly be violent. He's not going to be given to panic. He's practiced trusting the Lord, verse Goliath. He's practiced trusting the Lord when Saul was out to kill him. And I imagine, I just imagine this conversation. When I read this psalm, I imagine this conversation with his men. So you can just imagine he's there in camp with his men. They know there's all these enemies out there trying to kill him. And you can imagine one of his men looking to King David and said, King David, what are we going to do? And I imagine... From this psalm, when he says, when he talks about, it's, you know, it's actually the Lord who's sustaining us. The Lord is our shield. I wonder if around the campfire one night he said to them, look guys, I've been here before. We're just going to trust God. You know what, in fact, you know, to demonstrate our trust in God tonight, we're just going to have a good night's rest. It's the Lord who sustains us. And, 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 and you know, and he, and he just shows this spiritual composure to his men. That's what I picture and um, this spiritual composure that acknowledges that God is faithful and has been in the past, that acknowledges our dependence, that anything we have achieved in the past, we did it because he allowed us to achieve it. And the question I have for all of us as we enter these uncertain times is, do we, is that where our heart's at? God is faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. God has... God has I have been able to rely on God in the past. I can rely on God in the future. It's okay. We can afford to be still. We can afford to be still. We can afford to be calm. Uh, this is one of the Psalms I have memorized, Psalm 131 by David again. David's clearly learned a lot of lessons in his life. And um, I'll just break it down. It's wonderful. really breaks down this idea of spiritual composure. And then we're going to talk, expand a little bit more about Maybe trying to nut out the heart of it. Um, it says, it starts off by saying, My heart is not proud, Lord, and my eyes are not haughty. It's not a word we use too often. But that's David, isn't he? He's saying, I know it's not all about me. I know it's not all about me. And then he says, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Isn't that really humbling for God's chosen king? I know there's things out there I, we, I don't know. You know, in today's multiple media, YouTube, a billion news sources, I do not smell that spirit anywhere. In the church, I, like, well, I do see some people, but I think in the church it's infected us outside the church. Where is the room for people to say, 
this question is a little too complex for me and I don't actually have the answer. You go through YouTube and Facebook, no, everyone has the answer for everything. Everyone knows everything. Everyone's an expert on everything. Where's the, where's the godly person who says, there's things I don't know. There's things that are too complex for me. There's things that I'm happy to leave to the Lord. I'm so over everyone knowing everything. Where's the godly people who say, you know what? There's a godly I don't know. There's a godly, actually it's probably a bit more complicated than that. It's not as black and white. It's okay. David seems to get it. There's just things too great for me. It's a King David. It's too great for him. He can't grasp everything. We shouldn't be surprised. The Bible has told us again and again, there are fathoms we cannot understand. There are things you cannot grasp in God's world. Some of it's beyond us. And then verse 2, this one always, this hits me so often when I read it, but I have calmed and quieted myself. There it is, being still again. I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. This is a lovely picture. I love that David says, I'm a weaned child. Because a child that's not weaned, Brittany knows this, she's holding a baby. When a child's not weaned, when they're hungry, does the baby go, I don't need to cry because I'm so confident my mother will feed me. That's not what a weaned baby, that's, that's an unweaned baby will just scream because I don't care if you fed me a hundred times, I need to cry to make sure you know I need to be fed again. Because that's what babies do. They don't know the food's coming, they just scream and then, or cry, and say, well, I'm hungry, and then we feed them. But a weaned child is different. A weaned child, no, no, no longer, if they're in a healthy home, they don't question that food's going to be on the table that night, or the next morning, or that they're going to have a place to sleep, because they know their parent provides it. David's saying, that is like my relationship with God. I don't question whether he will provide for me. I'm like a weaned child. I don't question whether he will fulfill his promises. I'm a weaned child. I have. I've been fed faithfully for so many years. I don't question it anymore. I'm a weaned child. I don't panic at the first sign that God might not fulfill his promise because he always has. I'm still here today. I'm only here because the Lord sustains me. I know he is completely trustworthy in conflict, confusion, adversity, tragedy. I can quiet myself before the Lord. And here it is, guys. Spiritual composure is really just this. It's really this. The person who is spiritually composed has their hope in the Lord. I, I don't think you can say it any more simply than that. It, the person who has spiritual composure has their hope in the Lord. You don't have your hope in having it all figured out. You don't have your hope in being right. You don't have your hope in secure finances, health, and being the best at something, or, or having being, being seen as important in the world of men. Your hope is in the Lord. You know you are loved by God. You know He has all you need. And so therefore, in other situations where people lose it and panic or fight or lash out, you can be calm. You can be still. Because your hope is not where their hope is. Think of the language in this scripture. John 15:5. I am the vine and you are the branches. Sometimes we think we're co-vines. No, no, we're producing life with all our frantic energy too, Lord. No, no, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're not connected to me, you're just dead. You're firewood, like you're dead. You're nothing. You're like, I am the vine. 
and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think... I know, actually, that there are a whole, and me included, isn't it frustrating, all these types of commands in the Bible that take things out of our control? I mean, remain, be still, abide, don't be afraid. They're not exactly draw your sword language. They're not exactly run and hide language. They're more like calls to hold. Hold yourself close to God and be patient and be still and be calm. Stop thinking that the world is resting on you. It's resting on me. I am the life giver. He's calling us to a type of composure. We have to hold our spiritual composure. We have to maintain our hope in the Lord. Israelites in the face of danger, by the Red Sea, maintain your hope in the Lord. He delivered you out of Egypt. He's going to deliver you here. Would you just be still? Would you stop grumbling? Would you stop blaming the leader? Would you stop saying, oh, you know, it was better back in Egypt? And just stop, and why, why don't you just be calm in your trust in the Lord? David, in the face of conflict of his son trying to kill him, maintains his hope in the Lord. And how's our spiritual composure? And and the thing is, it's, it's like a question that we all just need to internally wrestle with ourselves, but with, there's lots of clues. There's lots of clues. Because the good thing about circumstances is that they actually reveal our hearts. They reveal our character. And they can help us know where we're at. Because the truth of the matter is, um, and, and this is something we know, we've talked about at church, and I know it in my heart as well, is that the circumstances, aren't in, are, they're not imputing your behavior. Because if that was true, everyone would behave the same. No, if, if, so, for instance, you might think you're angry because that person cut in front of you in traffic. You might think they made you angry. You, that's what you'll tell yourself. They made me angry. If that's true, why doesn't everyone get angry when that happens? The truth is you got angry. Other people don't get angry. The circumstance is revealing something about you. You don't get a free pass saying, that made me angry. You don't get a free pass saying, that made me anxious. You don't get a free pass saying, because if that was true, everyone would get anxious in the same situation. The truth is some people have more hope in the Lord than us in those situations. They're, they're not, they're not, their hope is not in their own sense of security or in their own sense of financial security, in their own sense of being right. And, and these circumstances help reveal where we're at. I mean, like, so for me, this is, um, this is a journey for some people. How do you go when people think you're wrong? Do you know, not everyone behaves the same way. Some people are actually really calm. And they're okay. Their hope is not in being right all the time. They can cope being wrong. They understand there's things in this world they don't understand. God's, their hope's in the Lord. Their identity's in the Lord, not being right. There are other people who, when you imply they're wrong, it's not it can be quite a vicious. It can be quite a controlling. It can be quite a, well, I need to slam you so that I'm not seen in this embarrassing position as wrong in front of people. Right? Now, this is not mean to pick on anyone. This is like to just help us analyze ourselves. When financial pressure hits, we all feel different sorts of pressure, but there are some people who the stress overcomes them, right? And there are other people who hold themselves a bit differently. It's like they're not, their whole hope isn't in this. They understand that there's a God who provides. But when turbulent change happens, not everyone behaves the same way. And the reason, this is not a controversial thing to say, in Matthew 7, okay, 
verses 24 to 27, Jesus says this, and this just is saying exactly the same thing. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, but yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And you know what the man with the house that fell down says? The storm, it's the storm's fault, my house isn't here. But next to him there's a house that's standing. The same storm hit both houses. The same storms hit two people. Two people don't respond the same way. One person had their hope in the Lord. One person had his faith in the words of God. One person had all their faith in themselves. And so when the same storm hit, it hit both people differently. The house that holds in the storm listened to the words of Jesus, trusted in the words of Jesus, put into practice the words of Jesus. And this isn't a new theme. It's right, it's in Scripture. Look at Psalm 1. You guys know this. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night, they're like a tree planted by streams of water. They yield their fruit in season, their leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. It's always been true that if you base your life on the word of the Lord, you will have a type of strength that circumstance cannot threaten. That's always been true. The scripture has always said that. So the answer... So how do we keep our spiritual composure with all this turbulent change is to live and breathe the word of God, to live out of and claim his promises. When you're concerned about provision, look at how Jesus dresses the lilies of the field. You know he will provide for you. When you're anxious about things you can't control, you're going to be the person when you feel that anxiety in the community who's going to speak up and say, remember, we're not to be anxious about anything. But we're to, we're to petition God and allow him to give us our peace. In all this change, will there be those voices when they sense the tension? Will they be saying, hold on, we're not to be anxious. We're meant to, we're meant to offer this up to the Lord. Will there be those who, who people panic when people are panicking about resources and whether, whether we'll have enough people to do this or things to do that? Or whether, will there be people who say, hold on, are we the vine? Are we the vine? Are we producing it all? Are we going to have people that are going to draw people? Hey, we, we, we just need to connect ourselves to what Jesus wants and he'll give us everything we need. And when people wonder whether things are happening in a way that's best or, or there's so much uncertainty, who will be those that speak up that, hey, we have a good God who works for the good of those who love him. And if we love him and we're faithful to him, it's going to be for our good, even if it's hard. What about, or when people feel a bit stretched, or when people feel like maybe things are too much, who are going to be those who say, hey, hey, it's time for us to lean into the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And if we stick to Jesus, he's the one who said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Will there be people in our lives, will we be people who call people to spiritual composure and say, hey, hey, we're not people of fear, we're not people of panic, we're not people of blame. We're people who, when we are trapped by the sea from the Pharaoh, we can actually say, we'll be still and trust the Lord. We'll seek Him. There's something seriously wrong 
with any of us, if any one individual, any one individual, and we've had some people leave our church and join our church in different seasons, if any one individual goes and we think the story's up, I mean, our hope has always been in the Lord. This community has a wonderful story before me. And, I, and of course it will after me, and of course it will anyone who comes and goes. What a silly thing. To, like, I'm just a branch, guys. I'm just a branch. I'm just a branch. I might be able to love branch, and I love you, and we love branches, we love each other, but I'm just a branch. I've just, it's all come through the vine. 100%. An imperfect branch of that as well. Gosh, there's some parts of me that need some pruning, like you guys. But can I just call us to this place where, hey, we are the, we, he is the vine, we are the branches. And in all this coming turbulence and change, in our family as well, we, Esther and I need to call our kids and ourselves back to this. This wonderful church community needs to call each other back to this. And I'm really comfortable and confident in that. I know there are people when things get tough, they draw the rest of us to prayer, don't they? We have people like that. Champions who call us to spiritual composure. Um, and I just pray that that continues long into the future, that this community will always have those that call the rest of us, hey, guys, 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 this is not what we're called to. We're called to be still. We're called to remain. We're called to abide. We're called to trust because the Lord has it. And there are things we don't know, and that's fine. And there are things we can't do, and that's fine. Because the one question is, do we know who we are? We are His. And do we know that we have all we need for all He has called us to? And we know the answer is yes every time. And so why don't you just pray with me that in my life, in your life, in this community's life, we would be filled with the spiritual composure that trusts Jesus wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Lord, I just um, want to thank you for the posture that you invite us into in your word. That you invite us to, rather than to wear the world, wear the world on our shoulders, you, you invite us to be still before you, to be calm and confident in your promises, to be calm and confident in your provisions, to be calm and confident in your deliverance, to be calm and confident in the fact that you will father us and give us all we need and lead the way if we tether ourselves to you. Lord, to be confident in your direction, Lord. Lord, I just pray you would fill us all, fill this community, fill my family with that as this season of change comes upon us. And we, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, yeah, you ready? Ready to go. Rachel's got one more song for us. Um, and, so, and, then, uh, and then have a wonderful Sunday. Warmed up a bit. It's not so bad.